Hey everyone, it is I, D.B. Spitzer. Welcome once again to Black Clock Audio Tales, always hosted by BunnySlippers.com and FoundItemClothing.com. Check out the Wooly Bully Highland Cow Slippers. I know they're just called Highland Cow Slippers, but I can't help saying Wooly Bully. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you are all feeling well. Just to let you know, I am going to start just uploading as many of these Oz books as possible, just so people have stuff to listen to. If you have kids and you want them to listen to something that's not going to have a bunch of scary or weird stuff in it, eh, you might want to go elsewhere. No, I'm kidding. Oz, the Oz books generally are pretty children safe. There may be a few spooky parts here and there, but you know what? Everyone gets through it in the end. There's every story has Dorothy with a little animal and some friends, and you know, it's fun stuff. It's it's fun stuff. You know. I've been holding stuff together. I've been baking bread, making pasta, canning stuff, brewing. Um, and then I've been doing stuff that I don't normally do. <laughs> you know, the anxiety and the food stuff. That's I'm always doing that stuff. But lately I have been constructing instruments out of junk. You can check that stuff out on Instagram. I'm currently working on a couple of canjos and a uh, cigar box ukulele. Ukulele, whatever you want to call it. If you are interested in that kind of stuff, or if you want to check out and help the show by, I don't know, going to our Patreon at patreon.pgttcm.com, or however you get to Patreon, I can't remember, uh, you can also go to pgttcm.com, find out how to help our show by buying shirts. We're going to have some Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans shirts coming up pretty soon from uh, shirts for or Oleander, Wash uh, Oregon, and shirts for Uncle Owen's Goat Farm coming up in... Los Futuro. Oh man, my Spanish is terrible. But it shouldn't be because I've been watching DuckTales and Troll Movie and all that other fun stuff in Spanish. Um, Libra Soy, Libra Soy. Yes. I hope you're all doing well. I keep saying I hope you're all doing well because I do hope you're all doing well. I can tell that a lot more people are listening. And thank you all for all of our new listeners. You guys are awesome. You ladies, everyone. Um, and anyone in between, I think you're all great. And, you know, I, I, I hope you're coming up with new recipes. I hope you've all watched Tiger King and all that fun stuff. And, you know, everything else that everyone else is talking about. Me, I'm going through old books, working on stuff outside, trying to stay away from TV and just listening to podcasts. Been listening to a lot of Doughboys and Small Town Dicks. Quite the juxtaposition. <laughs> All right, here we go with L. Frank Baum. Said it right this time. Road to Oz. Recording by Phil Chenever. The Road to Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter One: The Way to Butterfield. Please, Miss," said the Shaggy Man. "Can you tell me the road to Butterfield?" Dorothy looked him over. Yes, he was Shaggy. All right. But there was a twinkle in his eye that seemed pleasant. Oh, yes, she replied. I can tell you, but it isn't this road at all. No? You cross the ten-acre lot, follow the lane to the highway, and go north to the five branches, and take—let me see. To be sure, miss, see as far as Butterfield, if you like, said the shaggy man. You take the branch next to the willow stump, I believe, or else the branch by the gopher holes, or else won't any of them do, miss? Course not, shaggy man. You must take the right road to get to Butterfield. 
And is that the one by the gopher stump, or— Dear me, cried Dorothy, I shall have to show you the way. You're so stupid. Wait a minute till I run in the house and get my sunbonnet. The shaggy man waited. He had an oat straw in his mouth, which he chewed slowly as if it tasted good, but it didn't. There was an apple tree beside the house, and some apples had fallen to the ground. The shaggy man thought they would taste better than the oat straw, so he walked over to get some. A little black dog with bright brown eyes dashed out of the farmhouse and ran madly toward the shaggy man, who had already picked up three apples and put them in one of the big wide pockets of his shaggy coat. The little dog barked and made a dive for the shaggy man's leg, but he grabbed the dog by the neck and put it in his big pocket along with the apples. He took more apples afterward, for many were on the ground. And each one that he tossed into his pocket hit the little dog somewhere upon the head or back and made him growl. The little dog's name was Toto, and he was sorry he had been put in the shaggy man's pocket. Pretty soon Dorothy came out of the house with her sunbonnet, and she called out, "Come on, shaggy man! If you want me to show you the road to Butterfield." She climbed the fence into the ten-acre lot, and he followed her. Walking slowly and stumbling over the little hillocks in the pasture, as if he was thinking of something else and did not notice them. My, but you're clumsy," said the little girl. "Are your feet tired?" "No, Miss. It's my whiskers. They tire very easily in this warm weather," said he. "I wish it would snow, don't you?" "Course not, Shaggy Man," replied Dorothy, giving him a severe look. If it snowed in August, it would spoil the corn and the oats and the wheat, and then Uncle Henry wouldn't have any crops, and that would make him poor. And never mind," said the Shaggy Man. "It won't snow, I guess. Is this the lane?" "Yes," replied Dorothy, climbing another fence. "I'll go as far as the highway with you." "Thank ye, Miss. You are very kind for your size, I'm sure," said he gratefully. It isn't everyone who knows the road to Butterfield," Dorothy remarked as she tripped along the lane. "But I've driven there many a time with Uncle Henry, and so I believe I could find it blindfolded." "Don't do that, Miss," said the Shaggy Man earnestly. "You might make a mistake." "I won't," she answered, laughing. "Here's the highway. Now it's the second, no, the third turn to the left, or else it's the fourth. Let's see." The first one is by the elm tree, and the second is by the gopher holes, and then, then what? He inquired, putting his hands in his coat pockets. Toto grabbed a finger and bit it. The shaggy man took his hand out of that pocket quickly and said, "Oh!" Dorothy did not notice. She was shading her eyes from the sun with her arm, looking anxiously down the road. "Come on," she commanded. "It's only a little way farther, so I may as well show you." After a while, they came to the place where five roads branched in different directions. Dorothy pointed to one and said, "That's it, Shaggy Man." "I'm much obliged, Miss," he said, and started along another road. "Not that one!" she cried. "You're going wrong." He stopped. "I thought you said that other was the road to Butterfield," said he, running his fingers through his shaggy whiskers in a puzzled way. So it is, but I don't want to go to Butterfield, Miss. You don't? Of course not. 
I wanted you to show me the road so I shouldn't go there by mistake. Oh, where do you want to go then? I'm not particular, miss. This answer astonished the little girl, and it made her provoked too to think she had taken all this trouble for nothing. There are a good many roads here, observed the shaggy man, turning slowly around like a human windmill. Seems to me a person could go most anywhere from this place. Dorothy turned around too and gazed in surprise. There were a good many roads, more than she had ever seen before. She tried to count them, knowing there ought to be five, but when she had counted seventeen, she grew bewildered and stopped, for the roads were as many as the spokes of a wheel, and ran in every direction from the place where they stood, so if she kept on counting, she was likely to count some of the roads twice. Dear me, she exclaimed, there used to be only five roads, highway and all, and now, why, where's the highway, shaggy man? Can't say, miss, he responded, sitting down upon the ground as if tired with standing. Wasn't it here a minute ago? I thought so, she answered, greatly perplexed. And I saw the gopher holes, too, and the dead stump. But they're not here now. These roads are all strange. And what a lot of them there are. Where do you suppose they all go to? Roads, observed the shaggy man, don't go anywhere. They stay in one place, so folks can walk on them. He put his hand in his side pocket and drew out an apple, quick before Toto could bite him again. The little dog got his head out this time and said, Bow, wow, so loudly that it made Dorothy jump. Oh, Toto, she cried, where did you come from? I brought him along, said the shaggy man. What for? she asked. To guard these apples in my pocket, miss, so no one would steal them. With one hand the shaggy man held the apple which he began eating, while with the other hand he pulled Toto out of his pocket and dropped him to the ground. Of course Toto made for Dorothy at once, barking joyfully at his release from the dark pocket. When the child had patted his head lovingly, he sat down before her, his red tongue hanging out one side of his mouth, and looked up into her face with his bright brown eyes as if asking her what they should do next. Dorothy didn't know. She looked around her anxiously for some familiar landmark, but everything was strange. Between the branches of the many roads were green meadows and a few shrubs and trees, but she couldn't see anywhere the farmhouse from which she had just come or anything she had ever seen before, except the shaggy man and Toto. Besides this, she had turned around and around so many times, trying to find out where she was, that now she couldn't even tell which direction the farmhouse ought to be in, and this began to worry her and make her feel anxious. I'm afraid, Shaggy Man, she said with a sigh, that we're lost. That's nothing to be afraid of, he replied, throwing away the core of his apple and beginning to eat another one. Each of these roads must lead somewhere, or it wouldn't be here. So what does it matter? I want to go home again, she said. Well, why don't you? said he. I don't know which road to take. That is too bad, he said, shaking his shaggy head gravely. I wish I could help you, but I can't. I'm a stranger in these parts. Seems as if I were too, she said, sitting down beside him. It's funny, 
A few minutes ago I was home, and I just came to show you the way to Butterfield, so I shouldn't make a mistake and go there, and now I'm lost myself and don't know how to get home. Have an apple, suggested the shaggy man, handing her one with pretty red cheeks. I'm not hungry, said Dorothy, pushing it away. But you may be, tomorrow. Then you'll be sorry you didn't eat the apple, said he. If I am, I'll eat the apple then, promised Dorothy. Perhaps there won't be any apple then, he returned, beginning to eat the red-cheeked one himself. Dogs sometimes can find their way home better than people, he went on. Perhaps your dog can lead you back to the farm. Will you, Toto? asked Dorothy. Toto wagged his tail vigorously. All right, said the girl, let's go home. Toto looked around a minute and dashed up one of the roads. Goodbye, Shaggy Man, called Dorothy, and ran after Toto. The little dog pranced briskly along for some distance when he turned around and looked at his mistress questioningly. Oh, don't expect me to tell you anything. I don't know the way, she said. You'll have to find it yourself. But Toto couldn't. He wagged his tail and sneezed and shook his ears and trotted back where they had left the Shaggy Man. From here he started along another road, then came back and tried another, but each time he found the way strange and decided it would not take them to the farmhouse. Finally, when Dorothy had begun to tire with chasing after him, Toto sat down panting beside the shaggy man and gave up. Dorothy sat down, too, very thoughtfully. The little girl had encountered some queer adventures since she had come to live at the farm, but this was the queerest of them all. To get lost in fifteen minutes so near to her home and in the unromantic state of Kansas was an experience that fairly bewildered her. Will your folks worry? asked the shaggy man, his eyes twinkling in a pleasant way. I suppose so, answered Dorothy with a sigh. Uncle Henry says there's always something happening to me, but I've always come home safe at the last. So perhaps he'll take comfort and think I'll come home safe this time. I'm sure you will, said the shaggy man, smilingly nodding at her. Good little girls never come to any harm, you know. For my part, I'm good, too, so nothing ever hurts me. Dorothy looked at him curiously. His clothes were shaggy, his boots were shaggy and full of holes, and his hair and whiskers were shaggy, but his smile was sweet and his eyes were kind. Why didn't you want to go to Butterfield? she asked. Because a man lives there who owes me fifteen cents. And if I went to Butterfield and he saw me, He'd want to pay me the money. I don't want money, my dear. Why not? she inquired. Money, declared the shaggy man, makes people proud and haughty. I don't want to be proud and haughty. All I want is to have people love me, and as long as I own the love magnet, everyone I meet is sure to love me dearly. The love magnet? Why, what's that? I'll show you if you won't tell anyone. He answered in a low, mysterious voice. There isn't anyone to tell, except Toto, said the girl. The shaggy man searched in one pocket carefully, and in another pocket, and in a third. At last he drew out a small parcel wrapped in crumpled paper and tied with a cotton string. He unwound the string, opened the parcel, and took out a bit of metal shaped like a horseshoe. 
It was dull brown and not very pretty. This, my dear, said he impressively, is the wonderful love magnet. It was given me by an Eskimo in the Sandwich Islands, where there are no sandwiches at all, and as long as I carry it, every living thing I meet will love me dearly. Why didn't the Eskimo keep it? she asked, looking at the magnet with interest. He got tired of being loved and longed for someone to hate him, so he gave me the magnet, and the very next day a grizzly bear ate him. Wasn't he sorry then? she inquired. He didn't say, replied the shaggy man, wrapping and tying the love magnet with great care and putting it away in another pocket. But the bear didn't seem sorry a bit, he added. Did you know the bear? asked Dorothy. Yes, we used to play ball together in the Caviar Islands. The bear loved me because I had the love magnet. I couldn't blame him for eating the Eskimo because it was his nature to do so. Once, said Dorothy, I knew a hungry tiger who longed to eat fat babies because it was his nature too, but he never ate any because he had a conscience. This bear, replied the shaggy man with a sigh, had no conscience, you see. The shaggy man sat silent for several minutes. Apparently considering the cases of the bear and the tiger, while Toto watched him with an air of great interest, the little dog was doubtless thinking of his ride in the shaggy man's pocket and planning to keep out of reach in the future. At last the shaggy man turned and inquired, What's your name, little girl? My name's Dorothy, said she, jumping up again. But what are we going to do? We can't stay here forever, you know. Let's take the seventh road, he suggested. Seven is a lucky number for little girls named Dorothy. The seventh from where? From where you begin to count. So she counted seven roads, and the seventh looked just like all the others, but the shaggy man got up from the ground where he had been sitting and started down this road, as if sure it was the best way to go, and Dorothy and Toto followed him. End of chapter one. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Road to Oz by L. Frank Baum or Frank L. Baum. I keep mixing that up. Hey, do you want to help keep things straight? Why don't you go to Facebook or, I don't know, Instagram? Check out PGTTCM and Black Clock Audio Tales. You can also, also, also help out the show by rate, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Be like, hey, there's this annoying guy that has a podcast where there's books read. He doesn't read them. He gets people who can actually uh, read do it. So, yeah, check that out. And, again, I hope you're all doing well. Support the show. That gives you something to listen to. Chapter 2 Dorothy Meets Button Bright The seventh road was a good road and curved this way and that, winding through green meadows and fields covered with daisies and buttercups, and past groups of shady trees. There were no houses of any sort to be seen, and for some distance they met with no living creature at all. Dorothy began to fear they were getting a good way from the farmhouse, since here everything was strange to her, but it would do no good at all to go back where the other roads all met, because the next one they choose might lead her just as far from home. 
She kept on beside the shaggy man who whistled cheerful tunes to beguile the journey, until by and by they followed a turn in the road and saw before them a big chestnut tree making a shady spot over the highway. In the shade sat a little boy dressed in sailor clothes who was digging a hole in the earth with a bit of wood. He must have been digging some time because the hole was already big enough to drop a football into. Dorothy and Toto and the shaggy man came to a halt before the little boy who kept on digging in a sober and persistent fashion. Who are you? asked the girl. He looked up at her calmly. His face was round and chubby, and his eyes were big, blue, and earnest. I'm Button Bright, said he. But what's your real name? she inquired. Button Bright? That isn't a really truly name, she exclaimed. Isn't it? he asked, still digging. Course not. It's just a, a thing to call you by. You must have a name. Must I? To be sure. What does your mama call you? He paused in his digging and tried to think. Papa always said I was bright as a button, so mama always called me Button Bright, he said. What is your papa's name? Just Papa. What else? Don't know. Never mind, said the shaggy man, smiling. We'll call the boy Button Bright as his mama does. That name is as good as any and better than some. Dorothy watched the boy dig. Where do you live? she asked. Don't know, was the reply. How did you come here? Don't know, he said again. Don't you know where you come from? No, said he. Why, he must be lost, she said to the shaggy man. She turned to the boy once more. What are you going to do? she inquired. Dig, said he. But you can't dig forever. And what are you going to do then? she persisted. Don't know, said the boy. But you must know something, Dorothy declared, getting provoked. Must I? he asked, looking up in surprise. Of course you must. What must I know? What's going to become of you for one thing? she answered. Do you know what's going to become of me? he asked. Not, not exactly, she admitted. Do you know what's going to become of you? he continued earnestly. I can't say I do, replied Dorothy, remembering her present difficulties. The shaggy man laughed. No one knows everything, Dorothy, he said. But Button Bright doesn't seem to know anything, she declared. Do you, Button Bright? He shook his head, which had pretty curls all over it, and replied with perfect calmness, Don't know. Never before had Dorothy met with anyone who could give her so little information. The boy was evidently lost, and his people would be sure to worry about him. He seemed two or three years younger than Dorothy, and was prettily dressed as if someone loved him dearly and took much pains to make him look well. How then did he come to be in this lonely road? she wondered. Near Button Bright on the ground lay a sailor hat with a gilt anchor on the band. His sailor trousers were long and wide at the bottom, and the broad collar of his blouse had gold anchors sewed on its corners. The boy was still digging at his hole. Have you ever been to sea? asked Dorothy. To see what? answered Button Bright. I mean, have you ever been where there's water? Yes, said Button Bright. There's a well in our backyard. 
You don't understand, cried Dorothy. I mean, have you ever been on a big ship floating on a big ocean? Don't know, said he. Then why do you wear sailor clothes? Don't know, he answered again. Dorothy was in despair. You're just awful stupid, Button Bright, she said. Am I? he asked. Yes, you are. Why? looking up at her with big eyes. She was going to say, don't know, but stopped herself in time. That's for you to answer, she replied. It's no use asking Button Bright questions, said the shaggy man who had been eating another apple. But someone ought to take care of the poor little chap, don't you think? So he'd better come along with us. Toto had been looking with great curiosity in the hole which the boy was digging, and growing more and more excited every minute, perhaps thinking that Button Bright was after some wild animal. The little dog began barking loudly and jumped into the hole himself, where he began to dig with his tiny paws, making the earth fly in all directions. It splattered over the boy. Dorothy seized him and raised him to his feet, brushing his clothes with her hand. Stop that, Toto, she called. There aren't any mice or woodchucks in that hole, so don't be foolish. Toto stopped, sniffed at the hole suspiciously, and jumped out of it, wagging his tail as if he had done something important. Well, said the shaggy man, let's start on or we won't get anywhere before night comes. Where do you expect to get to? asked Dorothy. I'm like Button Bright. I don't know, answered the shaggy man with a laugh. But I've learned from long experience that every road leads somewhere, or there wouldn't be any road. So it's likely that if we travel long enough, my dear, we will come to some place or another in the end. What place it will be, we can't even guess at this moment, but we're sure to find out when we get there. Why, yes, said Dorothy. That seems reasonable, Shaggy Man. End of chapter 2、Chapter、three, A Queer Village Button Bright took the Shaggy Man's hand willingly, for the Shaggy Man had the love magnet, you know, which was the reason Button Bright had loved him at once. They started on with Dorothy on one side and Toto on the other. The little party trudging along more cheerfully than you might have supposed. The girl was getting used to queer adventures, which interested her very much. Wherever Dorothy went, Toto was sure to go like Mary's little lamb. Button Bright didn't seem a bit afraid or worried because he was lost, and the shaggy man had no home, perhaps, and was as happy in one place as in another. Before long, they saw ahead of them a fine big arch spanning the road, and when they came nearer, they found that the arch was beautifully carved and decorated with rich colors. A row of peacocks with spread tails ran along the top of it, and all the feathers were gorgeously painted. In the center was a large fox's head, and the fox wore a shrewd and knowing expression, and had large spectacles over its eyes. And a small golden crown with shiny points on top of its head. While the travelers were looking with curiosity at this beautiful arch, there suddenly marched out of it a company of soldiers. Only the soldiers were all foxes dressed in uniforms. They wore green jackets with yellow pantaloons, and their little round caps and their high boots were a bright red color. 
Also, there was a big red bow tied about the middle of each long, bushy tail. Each soldier was armed with a wooden sword having an edge of sharp teeth set in a row, and the sight of these teeth at first caused Dorothy to shudder. A captain marched in front of the company of fox soldiers, his uniform embroidered with gold braid to make it handsomer than the others. Almost before our friends realized it, the soldiers had surrounded them on all sides, and the captain was calling out in a harsh voice, Surrender! You are our prisoners! What's up, prisoner? asked Button Bright. A prisoner is a captive, replied the fox captain, strutting up and down with much dignity. What's a captive? asked Button Bright. You're one, said the captain. That made the shaggy man laugh. Good afternoon, captain, he said, bowing politely to all the foxes and very low to their commander. I trust you are all in good health and that your families are all well. The fox captain looked at the shaggy man, and his sharp features grew pleasant and smiling. We're pretty well, thank you, shaggy man, said he. And Dorothy knew that the love magnet was working, and that all the foxes now loved the shaggy man because of it. But Toto didn't know this. For he began barking angrily and tried to bite the captain's hairy leg, where it showed between his red boots and his yellow pantaloons. Stop, Toto! cried the little girl, seizing the dog in her arms. These are our friends. Why, so we are, remarked the captain in tones of astonishment. I thought at first we were enemies, but it seems you are friends instead. You must come with me to see King Dox. Who's he? asked Button Bright with earnest eyes. King Dox of Foxville, the great and wise sovereign who rules over our community. What sovereign and what's community? inquired Button Bright. Don't ask so many questions, little boy. Why? Ah, why indeed, exclaimed the captain, looking at Button Bright admiringly. If you don't ask questions, you will learn nothing. True enough, I was wrong. You're a very clever little boy, come to think of it. Very clever indeed. But now, friends, please come with me, for it is my duty to escort you at once to the royal palace. The soldiers marched back through the arch again, and with them marched the shaggy man, Dorothy, Toto, and Button Bright. Once through the opening, they found a fine big city spread out before them, all the houses of carved marble and beautiful colors. The decorations were mostly birds and other fowl, such as peacocks, pheasants, turkeys, prairie chickens, ducks, and geese. Over each doorway was carved a head representing the fox who lived in that house, this effect being quite pretty and unusual. As our friends marched along, some of the foxes came out on the porches and balconies to get a view of the strangers. These foxes were all handsomely dressed, the girl foxes and women foxes, wearing gowns of feathers woven together effectively and colored in bright hues, which Dorothy thought were quite artistic and decidedly attractive. Button Bright stared until his eyes were big and round, and he would have stumbled and fallen more than once. Had not the shaggy man grasped his hand tightly, they were all interested, and Toto was so excited he wanted to bark every minute and to chase and fight every fox he caught sight of. 
But Dorothy held his little wriggling body fast in her arms and commanded him to be good and behave himself. So he finally quietened down, like a wise doggy, deciding there were too many foxes in Foxville to fight all at once. By and by they came to a big square, and in the center of the square stood the royal palace. Dorothy knew it at once because it had over its great door the carved head of a fox just like the one she had seen on the arch. And this fox was the only one who wore a golden crown. There were many fox soldiers guarding the door, but they bowed to the captain and admitted him without question. The captain led them through many rooms where richly dressed foxes were sitting on beautiful chairs or sipping tea which was being passed around by fox servants in white aprons. They came to a big doorway covered with heavy curtains of cloth of gold. Beside this doorway stood a huge drum. The fox captain went to this drum and knocked his knees against it, first one knee and then the other, so that the drum said, Boom, boom. You must all do exactly what I do, ordered the captain. So the shaggy man pounded the drum with his knees, and so did Dorothy, and so did Button Bright. The boy wanted to keep on pounding it with his little fat knees because he liked the sound of it. But the captain stopped him. Toto couldn't pound the drum with his knees, and he didn't know enough to wag his tail against it. So Dorothy pounded the drum for him, and that made him bark. And when the little dog barked, the fox captain scowled. The golden curtains drew back far enough to make an opening through which marched the captain with the others. The broad, long room they entered was decorated in gold with stained glass windows of splendid colors. In the corner of the room, upon a richly carved golden throne, sat the fox king, surrounded by a group of other foxes, all of whom wore great spectacles over their eyes. Making them look solemn and important. Dorothy knew the king at once because she had seen his head carved on the arch and over the doorway of the palace. Having met with several other kings in her travels, she knew what to do and at once made a low bow before the throne. The shaggy man bowed too, and Button Bright bobbed his head and said, Hello. Most wise and noble potentiate of Foxville. Said the captain, addressing the king in a pompous voice. I humbly beg to report that I found these strangers on the road leading to your foxy majesty's dominions, and have therefore brought them before you as is my duty. So, so, said the king, looking at them keenly. What brought you here, strangers? Our legs, may it please your royal hairiness, replied the shaggy man. What is your business here? was the next question. To get away as soon as possible, said the shaggy man. The king didn't know about the magnet, of course, but it made him love the shaggy man at once. Do just as you please about going away, he said, but I'd like to show you the sights of my city and to entertain your party while you are here. We feel highly honored to have little Dorothy with us, I assure you. And we appreciate her kindness in making us a visit, for whatever country Dorothy visits is sure to become famous. 
This speech greatly surprised the little girl, who asked, How did your majesty know my name? Why, everybody knows you, my dear, said the fox king. Don't you realize that? You are quite an important personage, since Princess Ozma of Oz made you her friend. Do you know Ozma? she asked, wondering. I regret to say that I do not, he answered sadly, but I hope to meet her soon. You know the Princess Ozma is to celebrate her birthday on the twenty-first of this month. Is she? said Dorothy. I didn't know that. Yes, it is to be the most brilliant royal ceremony ever held in any city in Fairyland, and I hope you will try to get me an invitation. Dorothy thought a moment. I'm sure Ozma would invite you if I asked her, she said. But how could you get to the land of Oz and the Emerald City? It's a good way from Kansas. Kansas? he exclaimed, surprised. Why, yes, we are in Kansas now, aren't we? she returned. What a queer notion! cried the fox king, beginning to laugh. Whatever made you think this is Kansas? I left Uncle Henry's farm only about two hours ago. That's the reason, she said, rather perplexed. But tell me, my dear, did you ever see so wonderful a city as Foxville in Kansas? he questioned. No, your majesty. And haven't you traveled from Oz to Kansas in less than half a jiffy by means of the silver shoes and the magic belt? Yes, your majesty, she acknowledged. Then why do you wonder that an hour or two could bring you to Foxville, which is nearer to Oz than it is to Kansas? Dear me, exclaimed Dorothy, is this another fairy adventure? It seems to be, said the Fox King, smiling. Dorothy turned to the shaggy man, and her face was grave and reproachful. Are you a magician or a fairy in disguise? she asked. Did you enchant me when you asked the way to Butterfield? The shaggy man shook his head. Who ever heard of a shaggy fairy? he replied. No, Dorothy, my dear, I'm not to blame for this journey in any way, I assure you. There's been something strange about me ever since I owned the love magnet, but I don't know what it is any more than you do. I didn't try to get you away from home at all. If you want to find your way back to the farm, I'll go with you willingly and do my best to help you. Never mind, said the little girl thoughtfully. There isn't so much to see in Kansas as there is here, and I guess Aunt Em won't be very much worried, that is, if I don't stay away too long. That's right, declared the fox king, nodding approval. Be contented with your lot, whatever it happens to be, if you are wise. Which reminds me that you have a new companion on this adventure. He looks very clever and bright. He is, said Dorothy, and the shaggy man added, That's his name, your royal foxiness, Button Bright. End of chapter three.